Grand Cathay, a vast empire to the east, ruled by powerful creatures, dragons, who can inhabit human form. Welcome to the War Games Orchard. I'm Nathan Stone, and with me is GJ. We are here today to bring you the latest Warhammer Old World news, and then we're going to talk about some mounts. Some plain old, non-monstrous, reliable mounts. Before we get into all that, let's hit on some hobby and some news. And since I am still devoid of any kind of life outside of school, GJ, please save me. Please let me live vicariously through your progress. What have you been up to these days? <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot. Uh, fortunately, I've, I've tried to get a little bit of hobby time in um, just about every night. I, I don't manage really every night, but I, I try to at least. Uh, at the moment, I'm working on a unit of 12 Chaos Warriors, and I'm um, doing them as uh, Chaos Undivided. And I found a lovely little paint scheme in uh, one of the old White Dwarfs, it's uh, UK White Dwarf 296, which is uh, just rounded about a Storm of Chaos, and they released those uh, new multi-part Chaos Warriors that replaced the old 4th or 5th edition ones. And uh, Paul Sawyer got his uh, got a nice little uh, paint scheme there with uh, red cloaks and uh, uh, white fur and uh, the black armor with some uh, metallic uh, um, metallic edges. So I've been sort of following that, giving it a little bit of twist of my own. And I had originally planned to make these warriors with um, hand weapon and shield. But then I thought, well, why not magnetize them so I can have multiple options? So I did that, spent an evening uh, drilling out the the arms and the sockets uh, and uh, undercoating some new um, hand weapons for the for the left hand, so the the, the second hand weapon, uh, which is uh, worked out pretty well actually. I was afraid that maybe I had. Um, drilled the holes too too deep or too shallow and that if you put in the magnets they wouldn't catch or they would stick out too much but um one fortunately these are very easy to magnetize and uh, they are basically like sockets the the arm is uh, like a ball and then there's a little cup where the arm goes into um so there's not really much that you can mess up with them I found out. Um, so I'm really glad that that worked out and uh, I've been painting those warriors up. Uh, I did a couple of high-off bolt throws before that for the uh, Gathering of Mighty Painters challenge. Uh, only one of them counts for the challenge, but I figured, well, if I do one, I why not do two? So I did the 4th uh, edition one with the two racks of bolts, uh, one on top of the other. And I did the, uh, I believe it's the sixth edition one, the metal one, with the, um, uh, the the bolts sort of in a square around the the base, the the stock of the bolt throw itself. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the meantime, uh, sort of while the ink is drying on my Chaos Warriors, I've oh. been uh, doing uh, some single models in between 
I had a, a third edition dwarf treasure hunter with a, that came with a green dragon that I had sitting, I think, 80 or 90% finished, which I um, uh, finished now. And I also started on the uh, Orc Shaman Nazgop from the, uh, what's it called, the Idol of Gork campaign pack, which is a really lovely model to paint up. And uh, yeah, it's just, um, for some reason with the Chaos Warriors, I keep messing up and things don't turn out the way I want them to. But with this Orc Shaman, it's just like the paint sort of flows to the places where I want it to go. It's it's uh, difficult to explain, but it's a great model to to paint up. Uh, it's, it almost paints itself. That's awesome. I know what you're talking about. It's hard to explain, but sometimes models are just very friendly towards paint. They they just take it very well, and yeah. you realize that yeah, you're this is coming out so good, and I'm not really even doing much work, or at least it doesn't feel that way. Is he the shaman with the the big bat air helmet? Is that the one I'm thinking of, or the bat no, ear no, staff? No, no, no. He, he's he's got the uh, bone staff. Uh, his staff is just oh. a giant, uh, oh, like li- yes. like a giant femur that has been carved, and uh, he's uh, looking all grumpy. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't want to be here, but since I am here, I'm just going to blast you apart, and then I go back to being bored again. Ah, yes, I remember this guy. I actually have him somewhere. I forgot that he was Idol of Gork. You know what I was thinking of? The Warhammer Quest shaman. That... Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so cool. Uh, I, I like the variety of hobby that you've got going on here. It's always nice to kind of be able to to jump from one thing to another thing and not have to do too much of, of any one thing at any one time. At least I think yeah, so. Yeah, but the uh, the big danger with that is that I jump from one thing to the other thing and then forget to jump back. Or oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's... Jump to yet another thing and uh, sit with a ton of half-finished projects on my table and, uh, yeah. Wait, is there so... another way that you can do this hobby? Because if there is, I haven't found it. That is the only way I know how to do is you... Do something yeah, well, until you get bored, and then you never finish it, and then you move on to something else, and you pretend like you're going to finish it, but then you see something new. <laughs> and new then and shiny. 20 years <laughs> later, you're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, there are some people, I've heard it rumored, that are able to start a project and finish it before going on to the next project. Those sound like pod um, people. I think they're aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about the technical term for them being sociopaths, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to insult any of our listeners who actually do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm uh, just like you in this regard. Uh, I sometimes have to force myself to finish something and not to start a new thing. And it doesn't happen that I listen to all kinds of Warhammer podcasts and then I hear you... St- uh, Speaking about uh, uh, Volant's Venators and uh, Omukta's Dazzle Dogs, and I think, oh, yeah, I should start my Dogs of War army at some point. And then I listen to another podcast, and they have a Skaven episode, and I think, oh, yeah, I've got some clam rats sitting <laughs> under coat that, uh, that need some paint. And yeah, um, yeah. Li- life is difficult. It really is. And you know what? Warhammer podcasts are the worst for that. I, we're guilty of doing that. I get excited for armies that I don't even play just by doing episodes about them. And then I think about it 
and then I have to talk myself down from that ledge. Like it's it's even bad for me just being the host. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, was... I stopped talking myself down from that ledge. I just decided to to play and collect every army that's available. I that's that's the end game. That's what you have to do. Because otherwise you'll never know true contentment because there's always going to be that next that next uh, hit you've got to chase. Yes, such as uh, Cathay, for example. <laughs> oh, look <laughs> at you with the segue. That's good. Smooth. <laughs> Smooth as butter, this guy. Yeah, we did right not plan here. this. We didn't. We didn't plan this. Uh, before we get to Cathay, I will say one piece of news, because I, I don't have any hobby, uh, unless you count yeah, uh, course, picking up a model that fell off my desk, which is the only model that I've touched in two weeks. But I do have a little bit of news, and that is on our Patreon. I just finished an episode this morning. That is part one of a two-parter. Uh, it's called Which Witch is Witch, and it's looking at the witch elves of Warhammer Fantasy. This episode is all about Crone Helbron, her history, uh, both on the table and in the lore. She's a really interesting character. I, I learned a lot about her just reading through the various books. and uh, So that is going to be up on the Patreon by the time you hear this. And uh, yeah, if you are one of our patrons, check that out. If you're not one of our patrons, well then, I guess there's only one thing to do, and that is to uh, jump on our Patreon, uh, War Games Orchard. And uh, yeah, so that that's my one piece of news, but that was a very fun episode to put together. Yeah, yeah. well, you said you did not get any hobby done, but uh, reading stuff to prepare for a podcast episode counts as hobby in my book. You know what? I'll take it. Absolutely. That is hobby. And uh, yeah, you know what? That's honestly one of my favorite parts of the hobby is just reading books. That was always the thing that got me super hyped to collect a new army was for the longest time, back before the book prices went through the roof, I would buy every book for 40k and for fantasy. And what a trap that is. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you read through it and you're just like, oh man, like this is so cool and this is so cool and I love this lore and oh, what if I put together something based on this battle, you know, um, because lore brain is is much bigger than than the other uh like actually playing there or, or doing things brain for me for warhammer and uh yeah so yeah i i like i like that reading can be part of the hobby i mean reading is a hobby i don't know why yeah, <laughs> why i wouldn't think that was the case huh? anyway let's talk that's, about that's the beauty of this hobby there's it is. so many aspects that uh everyone can find something that they like about it well unless of course you don't like fantasy or science fiction but then yeah. I guess there's just no helping you. No, no, you're you're one of those pod people. Those are probably the people who finish their armies. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throwing a lot of shade at the listeners today. I'm sorry, listeners. I, yeah. I don't actually think you're pod people. Uh, unless, of course, you are, in which case I knew it all along. All right. Let's... You heard it here first. Yeah, well, this is uh, a very maybe... silly episode, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, already, and we haven't even started yet. No, we really haven't. Uh, b- before we um, move on to Cathay, I forgot that uh, I also have a little piece of news to share, Ooh. which is that the, and I don't think you've already mentioned this, but that the uh, War Games Orchard is now also on Instagram, and uh, you can follow us. Uh, the Instagram account is just uh, simply Instagram.com slash WarGamesOrchard or at WarGamesOrchard. So if you um, have anything that's remotely Orchard related, just uh, tag us or, or use a hashtag or something and uh, uh, help spread the word. Um, I, I'm mentioning this because... Uh, 
fate has appointed me as the one to uh, sort of keep track of everything that's going on on the Instagram account for the simple reason that Scott and Nathan uh, don't have Instagram. Um, so uh, what I plan to do with this is just uh, whenever a new episode is out, just uh, share it on Instagram and also stuff for the paint challenge uh, we will put on there. And maybe some other stuff in the future. So if you have any ideas, just uh, get involved on Instagram. And there are also plenty of other ways that you can uh, find us. Uh, but I believe that we always mention those at the end of the show, right, Nathan? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And thank you so much for doing that, by the way, GJ. That was that was very, yeah, my pleasure, very kind mate. of you. Uh, because right now I am, I'm not much for social media. Just it's it's one of those things that gets immediately lost whenever I get busy, and uh, I've been very busy lately. So it's uh, it's nice to have someone to to look after that and 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 spread the good word of of the orchard and all of the silly things that we do here. All right, now we're ready to go. Now we can talk about this map, this map of Cathay. Well, part of Cathay actually. It's it's just really the northwestern side of Cathay, and. Considering we, we did a whole episode on that map of the Border Princes, this isn't going to be quite like that. There's just not enough here for us to discuss because a lot of these places are unknown. There's no stories to tell about them. There's, there's nothing really to give us a lot of context about what might go on in, in any one of these places. But that being said, there are some interesting uh, little tidbits about this map that is certainly worth discussing. And uh, I'm going to get a little grumpy about it as well, but this you should be expected uh, by this point. But uh, GJ, what were your first impressions here? What stood out to you? Well, the very first thing I thought when I saw this map and when I read all those city names was, boy, I wish I could speak Mandarin, because <laughs> I'm sure that many of those city names will probably have a meaning when you translate them into English. Um, but I, I don't know enough Mandarin to be able to make any sense of that whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I've just been, been looking at this map, uh, pouring over it. I like the way that when you look at the northern section of the map, that uh, the way the Great Bastion is portrayed. Um, you've got mountains on the left, you've got mountains on the right, or, or well, there's a river and a forest on the right. But those are natural barriers, and then the Great Bastion is just in between connecting those natural barriers and uh, yeah, keeping out chaos that way. Uh, a couple of things I noticed was that where with the other maps that we have seen so far, you get a lot of symbols for the other races, and here the only thing I was able to find were two Beastman symbols in the uh, forest in the Imperial Provinces. Um, and then of course the Chaos symbol uh, north of the Great Bastion. And I also saw that there are two places where you have these huge terracotta warriors portrayed. One of them is at the very eastern edge of the great um, bastion at uh, Yang Sing, I believe it is. Uh, for some reason, the resolution of these maps isn't big enough, isn't high enough that all the tiny letters are easily readable when you zoom in. 
And, and the other one is in the Celestial Mountains, uh, I believe more or less dead center of the map. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see what they, uh, what those are going to do. Uh, and we've seen already in the trailer for Total War Warhammer 3 that you have these huge terracotta warriors that can be summoned and brought to life and uh, sort of like the, the Tomb King's constructs that we all know and love, or at least that I know and love. Um, and the uh, it, it's it makes sense that you have at least one of those at the at the Great Bastion at the Great Wall. But what the other one is doing in the middle of the mountains, where there are no enemy symbols, I have no idea, and I'm very curious to know about that and to learn more about that. Mm hmm. A lot of good points there. I actually hadn't really noticed that the the Great Bastion was built sort of into a mountain range as well. Like, it, it looks like it's it's a little bit high or elevated, too. And, yeah, I like the fact that it goes between these natural barriers. Um, yeah, you, you hit on most of the things that I, I find really interesting here. The one thing that I'm a little bit curious about is we have this Warpstone Desert, which the article tells us was formed by the impact of the, the comet that caused the, uh, the Great Maw um, back a long, long time ago. And crazily enough, it looks like there's a road going through it. I don't, I don't know that that's a great idea, but that is what it is. Um, why in the world aren't we seeing any signs of the Skaven here? We know Clan Eshin is in the east. Uh, and I mean, it's a, there's a whole Warpstone desert. A whole desert. <laughs> Like that's got to be, you know, if I if I'm the Skaven, that's that's like me going to, yeah, uh, place to Disneyland, be. right? Like this is, um. So I, I I did expect to see something, so you know, a Skaven symbol in one of like the mountains or something, right? Just to to denote maybe that there was a uh, uh, a clan that that's out here or, or Clan Eshin itself. Now I know Clan Eshin's very sneaky, so maybe they didn't want to put it on the map for us, but. Um, so that, that was kind of one of the things that I found to be interesting about it. I do love some of the names, and I really hope that we get some lore to go along with them. Uh, the Forest of Hungry Ghosts is something I desperately need to know more about. And uh, some, of these, uh, some of these mountain ranges are, are really interesting, too. The Celestial Mountains are very odd-looking shapes, so I'd, I'd love to learn more about uh, their lore and if they tie into into the dragons at all um i would have loved to have seen a little bit more detail up in the eastern steps beyond the great bastion and i know it's kind of chaos wastes up there but i don't know throw in like like a some kind of lake or something i don't know it just it feels very incomplete with, with that big kind of open section and i know the the nature of the chaos waste is such that geography doesn't always stay where you want it to be and it's just not mapped in the same way that the uh the civilized lands are mapped but it would have been nice to see a little bit more detail there i am interested in this hobgoblin canate yes definitely yeah yeah just beyond the stone sky mountains in the top uh left hand corner of the map um Honestly, though, the map for me, and I did like seeing those beastmen there. I, I like to see beastmen doing well and, you know, doing their beastmen stuff. Uh, the big thing with the map for me isn't so much raise, raising interesting points about places on the map itself is, or as is the question of 
the, some of the questions that the map raises. And one of those being, and I wanted to talk to you about that today, is just how big do we think the old world game is going to be? And I, I don't really have a good answer for that, but speculation-wise, it, it seems like this game could be massive, right? This is looking like it could be, and I, Warhammer Fantasy, but not, but with, with even more factions than before. And is that something that is at all practical? I mean, you'd be looking at a bigger model range, I think, than Warhammer 40k at this point, if you were to do that. And I just don't know that we could see that level of commitment from Games Workshop to a game that they abandoned once and now have given over at least somewhat to Forge World. Uh, does this map even have anything to do with what we will see in the Old World game? And I have to ask that question now because it, it seemed very focused at the beginning, right? We had the Old World and it was a bit of a zooming out map of the Old World. And that continued. And then it kind of started showing us the edges. So the border princes, uh, you know, the, the kind of the edges of the world's edge mountains, that type of thing. And then this map kind of breaks continuity with that. And it just throws us over past the Darklands and into Cathay to show us kind of the top, I want to say maybe two thirds of, of Cathay. And now I'm just a little confused as to what the purpose is is of the map and i know it's so showing us a sh snapshot of the warhammer world at the time that this game will take place but is it too much for me to hope that the factions that are getting showed off are going to be present in the game because uh i i, I did a bit of a, a list here and looking at the original warhammer fantasy at at end times we had 15 factions, 16 if you wanted to count Chaos Dwarfs from Forge World, but I'm, I'm just sticking with the, the mainline GW stuff here. Uh, they've already shown us Kislev, Cathay, and the Border Princes, which would add three factions onto that. So you'd be looking at 18 factions or, or 19 if you do Chaos Dwarfs. Uh, 40k at the moment has 21 factions. However, four of those are Space Marines. Uh, sorry, Space Marine Supplements. So you have like vanilla Space Marines, then you have Blood Angels, Dark Angels, Space Wolves, and Death Watch. All of those are just supplements. They, they mostly use the same model range. Uh, and then you get some overlap in things like Chaos Space Marines, Thousand Suns, Death Guard, where they use the same model range. Uh, Chaos Knights are technically a range, but it can, there's only one unique model to that range. So the 40k range isn't nearly as big as it, it lets on with, with 21 factions. Age of Sigmar uh, is a little bit more diverse than, than 40k, but even it would struggle, I think, to match the model range of Warhammer the Old World if what we're seeing on these maps has any bearing to the game that we eventually get. So I, what I want to know is just, yeah, how big is this game going to be? And if it's not going to cover all of the things that it, they're showing us on the map, what is the point of the map? <laughs> well, they did tell us that um, the things that we saw in uh, Total Warhammer 3, that that was going to be in Warhammer the Old World. 
So we can expect to have uh, Kislev and to have Cathay in the game added as factions. Uh, they also said in that post from uh, July last year that we discussed at length with all the uh, uh, the questions they answered for are you sure it's going to be square basis uh, is the scale going to be anything else and what it is uh, they said um, we want people to be able to use their old armies if they wish or to start new ones or to add mini new miniatures to old armies whatever they want so I think we can expect to see um, at least the, the 18 or 19 armies that have been mentioned and since both Chaos Dwarfs uh, bordering Kislev and the, the Hobgoblin Khanates mentioned on this map I can be pretty sure that we will also have at least some rules for Chaos Dwarfs so I am uh, well. I'm, I'm I'm always optimistic, but I'm optimistic that the questions you pose, Nathan, that they can be answered um, with a uh, hopefully very resounding yes. We will be able to use all those old factions and add at least these two or maybe three, if the border prince is going to be a separate faction or a separate book. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's going to be a massive game and I think there is uh, a market for that as well because if you just look at how many people are still playing the older editions and of course it is a niche compared to the newer editions but a lot of people when the old world ended didn't um, automatically drop everything on square basis and put rounds on everything and started playing Age of Sigmar. Uh, a lot of them started making their own fan-made editions like uh, the Ninth Age. You have the Warhammer Armies project that had actually started during 8th edition and is still uh, going strong, maybe even stronger than ever. And a lot of people still playing the old editions and then added to that uh, the crowd that has been drawn in through games like uh, Vermintide, Total War, uh, all those games that have been set in the old world and that are uh, immensely popular and yeah I think a lot of people who play those games might be interested to learn that you can also buy miniatures for those games and, and play them and I think that's uh, something that GW has realized um, maybe a little bit too late for them but yeah just looking at the way things are now and including the uh, enormously high prices for the uh, second-hand miniatures to name something um, yeah there's a lot of money to be made off of us Warhammer players and a lot of new players who are I'm not going to say desperate but at least interested in playing this game so I, I think they it makes sense that they go big on this one your optimism gives me hope because that would be incredible to to get something like this this would be the most complete look at the warhammer world that we have ever gotten at least since the early days when they could include all sorts of armies because it was just you know men of the east or men of the north and it was yeah. you would use your historical minis to to fill in those ones it's 
kind of wild to think that this project might be that big in scale. And I have an idea if that is the case, and I want to know if you agree with me on it. Assuming that Games Workshop, when they moved over to Age of Sigmar and when they started to move away from the classic Warhammer fantasy look as that game grew and, and became its own thing, assuming they kept all of those molds from the 8th edition Warhammer fantasy, you would have, well, 15 or 16 factions, if you want to use the uh, Forge World Chaos Dwarves, with full model ranges. And some of them are still in play in Age of Sigmar, and they're, it almost makes too much sense to just port them back over. If that's the case, and what we get at launch for Warhammer The Old World is basically the 8th edition line, what was available around 8th edition for most of the factions, or all of the factions. And then they focus on bringing new stuff in, so Kislev, Cathay, etc. Is that going to be a sufficient way to launch this game for players? Because I, I think of people who might have existing armies that would want to see, you know, brand new Bretonian knights or brand new uh, Soros warriors. So those ones that got updated in the early 2000s and then never got updated again, those types of models. If they brought those back, is that, is that a good enough way to do it in your mind? Or does this need to be a more major overhaul? Because I think I would be happy with just kind of getting what we lost and then them focusing on, on making new stuff. But I could also entertain the argument of, well, no, our Bretonian Knights came out in 2003, I believe. You've got to give us new ones. Yeah, I'd be happy either way. Um, I, I expect them to start off with as much of the old range as is still available, assuming that they still kept the molds and, and the molds haven't broken. And... Um, I think that would also mean that we would see some of those now very expensive boxes like the uh, High of Skycutter, uh, anything from the Tomb Kings range, especially those 8th edition uh, monster kits, uh, the Necropolis the, the Knights and the, the Necro Sphinx and everything like that. So I think we would see them back um, at least a, a, at a reasonable price or more reasonable than uh, eBay prices are nowadays. Uh, it's, it's definitely something that I'm holding out hope for. But I would also expect them to do maybe not a major overhaul just at the beginning, um, but I would expect them to bring out new models. And I don't necessarily know if those are going to be updates of existing models. Um, I mean, some of those kits have been around for a long time and they are still available and they still work. So there's basically no need to to update them. Um, but I think you will see maybe a combination of, at first, all the old models, or at least many of them, plus uh, the new factions, plus maybe some new models for existing factions, and then 
also some uh, updates for models for existing factions. Um, and, and what I mean by new models for existing factions, like how the, uh, well, again, the Necro Sphinx and the War Sphinx were added to Tomb Kings in 8th edition. So uh, new extra units for those factions. Uh, but I have absolutely no idea. This is just me speculating uh, what they are going to do. I mean, if I were them, I'd just... Um, no, no, I was going to say if I were them, I'd um, break out those old molds and start producing those uh, models and, and release them when the old world drops. But maybe if I were GW, I'd start releasing them now, seeing as how high the demand is for some of those rarer units and, and special characters. So, uh, mm. yeah, I'd love to see. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of money to be made there just off of the existing community, people still playing Warhammer. But I also understand why they want to wait until they have all the stuff in order and then publish everything simultaneously. Knowing what we think we know now about this game, if you were to to design a starter box, what are the two factions that you would put in there? Because I think it would be the it would be two new factions. What would you yeah. What would you want to do with that? If I were to design a starter box, I'd um, try to please as many people as possible, and I would do that by doing uh, Kislev and chaos dwarfs uh, because those are armies that are both new and rather sought after and uh, they are also armies that can be used in in conjunction with others uh, because if you have chaos dwarfs you can also uh, put in some orcs and goblins or maybe they put some goblins and orcs in the starter box so that you can use them as a separate faction and Kislev has always been part of Empire as well, so I expect that to be something like alliances or, or something that you can have a uh, maybe an Empire force with a, a Kislev, Kislev elite contingent or a Chaos force with some uh, Chaos dwarves allied in. So that's something that I would do. Uh, both new factions with new models and something that would speak to as many people as possible that's a great answer i actually don't have a better answer than that that was what i was going to choose so well said well said oh thanks all great right to know that uh, you also thought along those lines i that think it gives me hope that maybe someone at gw would also think along those lines we can only hope <laughs> god it's too it would be too good it'd be too good if if it if it is that and if the Chaos Dwarfs go back to the 4th Ed style of uh, look with the big hats, I might have to legitimately, like, pinch myself to make sure that I, I'm not just hallucinating it. Because I, I couldn't believe that I would ever be that lucky. Uh, and then I would <laughs> probably break my self-imposed uh, boycott of Games Workshop products and order, like, three of those starter sets. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I'm pretty happy with what we've covered here, if you are. And, yeah, uh, definitely. How about yeah, we and then, uh... move along. Cool.
covered more ground than I thought we would actually, uh, seeing as how just a, a picture of a map can lead us into what kind of starter boxes would we design. <laughs> well, that's, that's the great thing about baseless speculation. It's really easy to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to talk about mounts. Uh, Warhammer mounts, not the the big monstrous beasties, but the the workhorses, the literal workhorses of your armies, and we thought it would be fun to just kind of go through the various mounts of Warhammer and give our opinions on our favorites, our least favorites. So we're gonna start off uh, in that direction, and uh, we're gonna answer the question of uh, what is your favorite. And then your least favorite of the mounts of Warhammer Fantasy. GJ, do you want to take this one first? Yeah, sure, mate. Uh, well, since I started out with orcs and goblins, I think there's just nothing that you can, uh, nothing that can beat the favorite mount uh, than a boar, uh, because boars will give you an extra armor save, and they will also give you, they will also get plus two strength on the charge. They're only movement seven, but yeah, that's uh, not really that much lower than your average warhorse, especially if you give them barding. So, um, yeah, the uh, orc piggies are my favorite. You've got very good opinions today. You're not going to tell me that you also favor the boar, right? Because my money was that your favorite would be the cold one. I mean... Oh, my favorite is the cold one. It's oh, both good, my yeah. favorite and my least favorite somehow. I'm not really <laughs> sure how that works. Actually, no, I, I do have a, a different one that I chose as a, a least favorite. But the the way I complain about them, you would think that the cold ones were my least favorite. But they are, in fact, my, my favorite. I like your points on the board just before I, I wax poetic on cold ones. Uh, the plus two strength on the charge is huge. Having a strength five attack from... A basic mount is oh, it's chef's kiss good. I love orc boar riders as uh, cavalry in my armies. I usually upgrade them to biggins, not all the time though, because sometimes biggins are more useful as a as a big beefy regiment. Uh, where where do you like to put biggins for your orcs? I usually have them as a regiment, uh, but that's also because I don't really have any big blocks of boars painted up. I've got a couple of uh, Savage Orc Boar Boys, but um, the regular Orc Boar Boys are still in blister, as are uh, a number of extra Savage Orc Boar Boys. I believe I could make two units of 12, a unit of 12 each of them, but uh, yeah, I should get the painting. Yeah, I've got a unit of, I want to say, six Boar Boys, and then... I've got a war boss that's also on boar somewhere. So I, I don't have yeah. a lot of them. I do like them as a uh, a shock cavalry unit. So you don't really need an extra rank or anything in most editions of the game. So I find that six is usually pretty proficient for what I want. I will occasionally make them biggins because I do tend to favor black orcs for my uh, big infantry blocks of, of nasty orcs. Uh, so I, I tend to have that to play with. Though lately I have been, and I say lately, please uh, think of like before times <laughs> lately. Uh, I, I started running 
a big block of black orcs and then a big block of uh, biggins. And that is expensive, but it is a it is a scary mass of orcs. And then using a pretty cheap and cheerful boar boy unit to uh, to just cause cause mischief, um, because with the chopper rule, and uh, now this is depending on the edition that you play. But the chopper rule, if you're using the eighth edition orc codex, uh, works on the spears, so you end up with strength five orcs and and a strength five mount, and that is pretty darn good, honestly. So I I've, I really like them for that. Um, now on to the cold ones, and uh, this is so I, I I love them because you're looking at two strength four attacks, and that is that is big. I really wish I could use their toughness of four ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it never happens. Uh, now if I'm taking them in a lizard men force, uh, they are wonderful because you've got toughness for Saurus, so you, you don't really need that that toughness of the cold one you feel it with the dark elves for sure my only issue with them is that this is a vicious pack hunting carnivore that is an absolute killing machine and it's weapon skill three i really wish it was weapon skill four i don't think it's quite on par with the, the the points you pay for it at weapon skill three i i would like to see it a little bit more deadly that being said uh the cold ones usually do as much damage if not a little bit more than the riders so i i can't complain too much about that yeah but that goes for any mount right that does go for every mount <laughs> even if it's like grail knights somehow the horses will outshine the uh the the knights um one thing that i i i do really kind of hate about cold ones is that they dropped to movement seven and this is this is a drop that came like early on and i just feel like they should be able to keep up with horses at least on a battlefield i understand that horses you know they're a distance animal they can they can ride hard for a long time but i I feel like the cold ones should be able to sprint uh and i think they would be movement eight if i could make one change to their profile it would be that and of course, I am vehemently against them having the stupid rule. I think that is the rule in itself is stupid, and it should cancel itself out. And if it's in Warhammer: The Old World, oh boy, watch out! I'm going to do a whole episode on it. It's going to be a whole es- expose. Nah, going to drag Games Workshop over the coals if they give Cold One stupid. So they will absolutely do that. Grumpy Nathan at his finest. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, if you take away stupidity, their points will definitely increase up to the point that it is no longer feasible to field a toughness tree elf with one wound atop a lizard. Maybe. Maybe that's the case. I would still rather pay more points than I'm paying now, and I think they're overcosted now. I would pay a few extra points if if they didn't have stupidity, and it's only because I fail those checks reliably at least once a game. And it, and I understand that that's me. That's my curse, my cursed luck. But I still have to deal with it, and it still drives me crazy. So please, please don't give them stupidity. <laughs> um, where's where are you on your least favorite mount? Well, my least favorite is your just common run of the mill warhorse because it's boring. It doesn't do anything. Oh, that's a bit of a. I, I feel like that should be a hot take. 
Yeah, I, I feel too, but I'm I uh, I've been looking at the options for the mounts. Uh, well, maybe may, now I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to to change it to the uh, skeleton steed, and the reason for that is that the uh, all the mounts have a web skill of three, except for the uh, skeletal steeds. Oh, I didn't realize that. So the weapons. No, I, I didn't. I didn't either until I uh, I, I put them in my uh, a little document here. Yeah. Oof, that is rough. Also, there's a lot of things that keep skeletal steeds from marching in a lot yes. of situations. Yes. And that is unconscionably bad. I I think that's a terrible rule for undead. Um. The the fact that you can only march if you're within certain range of the general or under certain circumstances i know tomb kings have it worse than vampire counts i'm more familiar with the vampire count rule yeah it, it makes sense that they cannot march but it is quite a bummer in a game where movement is so important yeah i i don't even think that that is a valid rule that they they should have made in the first place because if anything the dead should always be be marching they don't have to worry about fatigue they don't have to worry about getting tired i yeah. i don't know why you you put that limit on them and, and that's such a big deal like you say in a game that is primarily about movement uh it, it's always sat poorly with me because i i felt like that should be one of the terrifying aspects of the dead is that they just never stop they're always gonna get you uh i i get that maybe they wanted to go for the shambling aspect of the dead but that works for zombies i don't really think it works for for skeletal horsemen right these guys should be riding you down and you know you're you're running or you're not running away but you're you're riding away on your horse and your horse starts to tire and they're still coming after you and they're, they got the little bale fires glowing in their eyes of the steeds and yeah it'd be really terrifying but anyway fix that games workshop yes this is please. another thing that i i do not want to see in the old world is <laughs> vampire counts having to go and tomb kings let's not forget our our poor tomb kings uh having oh, to go don't that worry you, you're not gonna forget it i'll remind you okay <laughs> that's good you're you're like the lorax of of the tomb kings and just gj pops up to to speak for them yes yeah. <laughs> all right um so that was that was your least favorite uh that's a really good pick gj that's a really really good pick uh boy i I do really want to say cold ones <laughs> are my <laughs> least favorite because I, I do have this weird love-hate relationship with them. Um, I would say, you know what? I, I would pick lizard men cold ones because those models are atrociously bad. But in the interest of, of making this a little bit more, I guess, interesting, I would say giant spiders. Oh, and, that's and, an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. It might be a little bit of a hot take. and. It's not because of anything, any one thing in particular. It's just you see these spiders and the little goblins are on their back. And these spiders are, you know, they're not as tall as horses, but they're, they're as long as a horse. And they are absolutely terrifying. And insects generally, and I, I know Ar arachnids, not insects, but um, anything like that tends to be strong for its size, usually. Like they're, they're, ants are ridiculously strong and and i i believe the same thing is is true with spiders they have the 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 exoskeleton and stuff they they would be 
utterly terrifying and unstoppable at the size that they're at. And I just don't feel like the stats reflect that. And I, I feel like Spider Riders, they, they're kind of this odd light cavalry that doesn't move very fast, but they have some neat tricks, of course, going over terrain and, and that kind of thing. I would have just loved to see the Spider Riders maybe cost more, keep the little goblins on them, because the, the goblins are really superfluous to the spider itself, but just make them a little bit scarier, a little bit more, whether that's adding attacks, because I know they're poisoned attacks, or, or giving them maybe an extra strength or an extra toughness. I just think that spiders of that size, <laughs> spiders of an unusual size, uh, should be more imposing as far as stats go. And uh, that's not to say I don't enjoy them. I do, and I still take them. So, you know, they're, they're, I'm saying that as, as least favorite, but only because I, I think they should be cooler than they are, I guess, is, is my argument. Yeah, I at least have caused them fear. Um, at least. That's, that's yeah. maybe the arachnophobe in me um, talking. Uh, but I, I do want to... Um, content you on this topic about making them stronger because it's true what you say that uh, spiders and ants are, are strong for their size but that's because they are small and um, the way this works is your mass and your volume uh, when you grow bigger it increases to the power of three so it's cubed but your strength is only increased um, by the power of two because it's the cross-section of your muscles that determines your strength. So if you make those spiders bigger, then they would be, uh, relatively speaking, less strong than their smaller counterparts. So a tiny spider can pack a much bigger punch um, compared to his body weight than a big spider can. So I think it makes sense to keep them at strength and toughness three. Well, that, I did not know that. Okay, spider facts here. I can't argue well, that. That was very well. Facts, but... <laughs> that, was, that was very well put together. Okay. This right. is well... also why, why short people are often way more, way better fighters than, than big tall people. And then now oh. I'm not, I don't want to generalize, of course, but if you have like... Uh, very famous example in the Bible, David and the giant, David and Goliath. Um, it makes sense that a, a tiny shepherd boy can uh, use a sling to slay a giant because they are bigger and of course they can pull more weight, but they also have more problems and, and it takes more energy just to uh, stand upright. So the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That That's definitely true for... Uh, any of these uh, examples. All right. Well, that's a really good example. You've got me. I don't have a uh, a counter to that. So <laughs> you took took apart my spider <laughs> argument pretty pretty uh, convincingly there. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess I'm gonna have to choose a new least favorite, <laughs> and that will be cold ones. There <laughs> <Here> we go. <laughs> no, that is actually extraordinarily interesting, GJ. I didn't know any of those things. So that is really cool. Um, all right. Well, talking about performance and, and, and maybe, maybe smaller mounts will perform better here too. Uh, what mounts do you feel perform best on the tabletop? Um, 
Yeah, I already mentioned that the mounts often perform better than the uh, mm-hmm. riders. Just looking at our stats, I would say Steed of Slanesh because they have simply the highest movement and you want mounts to you want to use mounts to, to get around. Yeah. Um but depending on what you want to do with them, uh yeah, maybe cold ones because they are vicious lizards. Uh, of course stupidity is, is not really in their favor, so not going to uh, count those, but um you got the uh, chaos steeds that are uh, that have an extra strength compared to almost all the other mounts. Um, that might also be a contender. Um, yeah, so uh, I I think I'll I'll settle for the steed of Slanesh. Good choice. N- nothing wrong with movement ten. <laughs> Whenever you can get it. Yeah, you actually mentioned one of my picks for this, and that is. Cold ones. <laughs> no, no, it's not <laughs> cold ones. It's never cold ones. Um, uh, Chaos Steeds. I have had a tremendous success with Chaos Steeds. Something about that strength four on them seems to just get work done. And it's one of those things where they don't have the attacks of the cold one, but they just seem to always do well for me. It's just a solid mount all around. Um, so that one I, I would absolutely put on my list. The Humble Wolf, I think, is one of the best mounts as well. And that extra point of movement is huge. Uh, that movement of nine over, over a horse. I love go- Goblin Wolf Riders. I love Goblin Wolf Riders in every edition. I, I, there is not an edition where I think they are not worth taking. Um, so those would, be, those would be my two. I mean, anything, any mount that can really get you where you need to go reliably is probably a good one. Dark, uh, dark steeds for the dark elves and their high elf counterparts, which I can't remember what the the name of those horses are, but uh, they're they're both both really nice as well. They're just elven steeds. They the, are just uh, elven steeds. High elves yeah. and wood elves. Yeah. 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 All right. What? Yeah, well, I I think uh, actually when you compare them, that the wolf might be a better pick even than Steed of Slanesh because uh, even though uh, wolves have one less movement than the Steed of Slanesh, they are so much cheaper with the goblin on top. Uh, if you compare the six edition point values, the Steed of Slanesh with a demonette is thirty points and a uh, wolf rider is uh, i believe 10 points or something in sixth edition mm. so um you can use them as as chaff as redirectors um war machine hunters uh, and and even if they get killed off it's it's only 50 points for a unit or, or maybe 60 if you give them some upgrades but uh, yeah that's, that's not really something that's going to bother you but if you get a unit of five demonettes and, and, and they break and flee and get overrun or, or they get destroyed, then, oh, well, no, they are demonic, so they... Do they break, demonic? No, they, in, they suffer wounds, right? Yeah, in six that they suffer wounds, yeah. Yeah. So, well, if, if they get wiped out, um, it will hurt you a lot more uh, points-wise than uh, a couple of goblins and wolves. No, that's, so that's they, they are not as expendable, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I want to change my answer and I agree with you. It's it's the wolf, definitely. All right, cool. Cool. That sounds good. Hard to yeah, hard to hate, cheap, fast, and uh reliable. What faction or factions do you think have the most interesting mount options? And I mean the chalk here is clearly orcs and goblins because wolves, yes. spiders, and boars. What what other ones uh take your fancy? Who do who do you think other than uh, orcs and goblins, who we know are the best faction, just hands down. Um, but beyond that, uh, who who do you like for for factions? Um, yeah, I would answer this question just simply for variety, and then of course, uh, orcs and goblins take the cake. But I think, uh, yeah, dark elves—they have two options: the uh, the elven steeds or the dark steeds, and the gold ones. Um, they have both fast cavalry and heavy cavalry in that regard. So do Bretonians, by the way. But these are just the same horse, except that one is ridden by a knight and one is ridden by a peasant. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd go with dark elves, just because of the two different types of mm. mouth that they can get. The dark elves having the cold ones is a nice thing to, to further differentiate them from the other elven factions, because a lot of overlap occurs, right? An elven spearman is an elven spearman is an elven spearman. But when you have velociraptors as your mount of choice, you know, that, that kind of helps you stand out a little bit, which is which is nice. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you there. The It looks good on the tabletop, too, to have that yeah. kind of difference in the uh, mount options. For all that they're not particularly great uh, as far as in-game goes, I do love a good skeletal steed. I think they just look great. My my favorite one is the one that is being ridden by the classic uh, White Lord. Uh, the the guy with the big uh, bat-winged helmet. And yes. Yeah, he has that very droopy steed. And I just love that thing Beautiful for whatever model. reason. Yeah. Yeah, it just it looks like it's just this ponderous thing, right? That's just animated by sheer will and it's just it's yeah, it's just going at a casual pace and something about that has so much character. Uh I do like the I, I also undead. find it very relatable, like me on a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. Droopy, all... held together by sheer force of will. Yeah, we all know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would almost say I vampire counts for, for that reason and, and because they do have things like the the nightmares that the um the blood knights get the that are more kind of the you get the sense that they're kind of vampire horses i'm not really sure but they're you know they're not skeletal horses surely they have skin so i always assume they were yeah. kind of horse vampires that went around biting other horses i i don't think that's the lore at all but <laughs> the the lore that i've made up in my mind about them um yeah yeah i think those are those are all good options Turning our gaze onto those poor factions that are mountless, what would you give a faction like the dwarves or the beastmen if you if you were in charge of adding a, a unit and they said we need dwarven cavalry or we need beastmen cavalry? What uh, what do you think would be would be the answer for that? Dwarven cavalry, purely based off of the Hobbit movies, I'd give them goats. Oh my uh, god, yes, because, please. 
dwarves are stubborn, ghosts are stubborn, they both live in the mountains, uh, match made in heaven. Uh, beastmen, I would probably give them something like, um, what, maybe I would, I, I don't think I would give them mounts, because, well, you got a beast riding another beast, on the other hand, you also got lizard man, a, uh, <laughs> yeah. a lizard riding another lizard, but, yeah, maybe for beastmen, something more, I don't know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, that's a difficult one. Something more chaosy, something something that's not really one thing, but maybe comprised of different kinds of of beasts, like uh, something with uh, the, the tail of a wolf and the body of a horse and the head of a lion or something like that. Well, maybe not a lion, but a boar. Like some some weird combination of GJ, woodland did you, creatures. Did you just invent chaos spawn riders? Because this is all I need. Just in general, yeah. Why not? Let's yeah. let's say I let's say I just did. That sounds fantastic. That's I I love that idea. Uh oh. What about Skaven? Skaven, what do you do yeah. For Skaven? Well, they already have those giant rats, and they also have that that one special character. I forgot his name. That's riding a a rat. Yeah, I can't remember his um, name. Um, uh, I'll think of it in a second. But yeah, something like Red Cavalry or the Wolf Rats or something like that. Um. Yeah, yeah. And in later editions, they, they were able to ride some monstrous cavalry. Because you, you could get, like, the yeah. uh, Skaven riding. I think it was a brood horror? Was that the giant rat thing? I think it was. Um, and there was... Uh, you could ride a rat ogre, which I always thought was really fun. Um, yeah, this is what uh, that Thankwall that, uh, model is doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The end times Thankwall. He's riding yeah. his... Well, I, at that point, is it still a rat ogre? Because that... <laughs> that bone ripper is know, monsters. Uh... Uh, so for for me, I I was thinking about this, and I feel like for the dwarves, I'm actually gonna steal an idea that's from an old uh, video game that I absolutely love called Age of Wonders. It was a uh, turn-based strategy game, very much uh, lifting a lot of inspiration from Warhammer and Tolkien and and all the good stuff. And it had, it came out around 98 or 99, and it had a bunch of the, the classic fantasy races in there, including dwarves, and everybody had at least one cavalry. And for dwarves, their cavalry was mole riders. And they oh, were these cool. adorable, yeah. they weren't like the star-nosed moles, they were like the, the kind of more cute moles. And uh, yeah, they they just kind of they could dig around underground. That was their their special ability. Is you could uh, you could dig fresh tunnels underground. Something about that has always just stayed with me. I've always kind of liked that idea that you have these dwarves with these big shaggy moles, and they they help them dig out their tunnels and stuff. And I, I really like that. For the beastmen, my my first inclination was kind of an easy one, and that was just why not tuscores? I love tuscores. I think they're gorgeous models. I think they're so fun. They're they're chaos boars, and what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having a bunch of chaos pigs? I love that. And I I know lore wise they are just not properly tameable, and that is why I I believe that is why that the beastmen don't ride them at all. Uh, however, th uh, another video game uh, that I play uh, on the on rare occasions is uh, Mountain Blade. 
And that has a wonderful community-made Warhammer Fantasy mod to it. And I'm going to warn you right now, uh, it's for Mountain Blade Warband, so the the old Mountain Blade, not the Bannerlord that was just released this past year. If you get this as a Warhammer fan, it will eat your life. Uh, just be careful about that. It's called Warsword Conquest, and it's a mod for Warband Mountain Blade, or Mountain Blade Warband. And in it, they have cavalry for every, almost every, uh, faction. I believe dwarfs still don't have cavalry, but they have given Skaven cavalry, and they did give Beastmen cavalry. And the Beastmen are on Tuskors, and they look incredible. They just look so cool. You have these big... It's basically the Bestigore model. So the big armored Beastmen on this horrible giant boar. Oh, it's good. It looks really, really good. So that's, that's what I would love to see. Uh, for the Skaven... I was actually thinking something, because the, the rodent giant rat thing is, is kind of the obvious play for that. And I was like, what else is kind of gross? <laughs> you, could, you could probably get a scaven to ride. And then I thought about some kind of giant insect, like some kind of centipede or beetle underground, right? That, that it's swollen to enormous size, probably because they fed it warp stone or something. And having them ride something like that, I think would be very, very cool and very nice as a model uh as a modeling opportunity so that's kind of where i ended with those i'm fine with factions not having mounts because for things like dwarves it's very characterful that they just kind of you know march at you with their little feet and uh and that they uh they've got cannons and stuff you know they've, they've got the ranged game so they don't really need cavalry but i was just thinking it was a neat thought experiment for us yeah, definitely. And there's one that we sort of missed, um, which is the Chaos Dwarves. Chaos Dwarves, right? Yeah, I always think Bull Centaur, but those, that's yeah, not but, cavalry. Yeah, but they, they, they are not really cavalry. Oh. Of course, you can put a Chaos Dwarf on top of a Bull Centaur, but I think that will probably I... lead to some infighting uh, Could within do. the model itself. <laughs> Could do. Although, I mean, the comedy would be wonderful like i want to read a story about that like a chaos dwarf bull centaur who is forced to, to carry this chaos dwarf on his back and just like they're back and forth i think that would be really <laughs> i think that'd be really fun but what would you give them Ooh, okay uh, i mean you could go for hobgoblin wolf riders which well, of I course, mean, they have those. Yeah, I've, yeah. I forgot about those. Which are the, the kind of the lore friendly but no no i like your idea of of something that the dwarf would ride Ooh, ooh! So they're all about the 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 big bull Taurus and and the the thing. What about what about some kind of battle bull that they ride? That uh, my would... thoughts exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would actually that could look really cool. I'm thinking something kind of uh scaly, like um like a bull, but with with almost like scaly skin, maybe uh. Yeah, nice. maybe kind of obsidian or, or very dark, blackish-looking skin. I think that would look tops for them. Also, that would be a great way to further differentiate them from the regular dwarfs. They're like, oh, these are the Chaos Dwarfs. They've learned how to ride things. Yeah, it's a bit like the um, uh, Dungeons & Dragons Gorgon, right? It's just like a scaly bull. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure if I had the name right. But yeah, they, they call them Gorgons, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just had to Google it uh, myself because there's also a, uh, a a Gorgon in Warhammer, which is this uh, big beastman giant. Oh, of course, of course. But that that's got an H after the first G. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I mean, if you don't spell it wrong, you can't copyright it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's a good model, though. I actually really I like the the Gorgon and the Cygor. I think they're yeah they're pretty cool as far as uh, the big centerpiece models go. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Something just came to mind to me, and this is somewhat related to our discussion. Do you miss the days in Hero Hammer? I guess what's your your favorite way of doing mounts in factions do you like the old mount list that used to come in fourth and fifth edition where it was just like hey you can ride any of these things and it had like the monstrous mounts as well as some of the other regular mounts and each race had basically the same chart but with some some restrictions or some, yeah, added some things. variations so. or do you prefer the uh the kind of later era just like you have these three choices for this character uh, I think I prefer the later era because it is less modeling options that I would have to make in my collection. Um, but there is something to be said for the for the first one, for the Hero Hammer era, where you have... It, it makes sense that it's not just elves and Bretonians and Empire that have access to Pegasi. And it makes sense that it's... Um, dragons can be taken by multiple factions and and yeah those creatures are not really bound to certain realms in the way that units are i mean you won't get great swords coming from uh bretonia for example and by great swords from bretonia but uh, you would get a uh, maybe a i don't know if they could ride them but like a manticore uh, in both in Bretonia and in the Empire and the Dragon uh, for certain, something like that. So yeah, that would be, lore-wise, I'd say the Hero Hammer era, but um, for pure practicality and also to not make all factions just simply load up on dragons, I'd say <laughs> the later era. All right, yeah. I think I agree with with those points. I really like the weirdness of of the hero hammer era where for example i played a game against patrick not too too long ago and he had his skaven warlord i think on a chimera or something and that was just neat right but i do also remember where you could have a monster that was kind of head and shoulders above the others and then that's really the only one that gets taken across a bunch of different factions so i think it does kind of protect you from that as well if you have Say, I think in the Hero Hammer era, it was the Griffin was was quite good. So yes. it tended to be the mount monster of choice. And you just didn't see a lot of the other ones like the Manticore and, and that kind of thing. So it just kind of came to me as an interesting question. I think as far as game design goes, yeah, you're probably better off sticking in that later era. But it is nice to just kind of think that you can stick a Skaven Warlord on an Emperor Dragon and then try and think up a way that he managed to tame this thing <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there is of course only one emperor dragon i believe that's also the case in uh, hero hammer right it's mm. just the emperor dragon the one that's in the imperial zoo in aldor i'm not sure it, it was in later editions but um 
yeah. You, I, you I, can imagine just uh, Skaver tunneling in under the zoo and just cutting with a big saw a, a circular <laughs> hole that <laughs> where the dragon rubs through with a sound like whoop. <laughs> and um, mm. yeah, maybe I've watched too much too many cartoons no uh, no keep going this is another <laughs> story that i need so, to know uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the big tunnel and uh have a scaven with a uh maybe something like a like a spell or a hypnotic gaze or something some beast monstery clan molder stuff uh have them uh tame the dragon which is probably intelligent enough to know what's good for him and just abide this caven until he's flying high enough to throw him off or something <laughs> god that would be it too yeah it'd be the, the very first time you try and try and fly with that dragon and he's gone <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he has eaten the rider off his back and he is gone <laughs> uh yeah. All right. Well, this is this has been a, a super fun discussion here. And before we go today, I think we've got a little bit of a quiz. Now, this yes, is something do. that came about very late in the game. Uh, GJ decided to to make one of his very famous lists uh, that he had all of the mounts uh, in Warhammer on, uh, so that he could better keep track of them. And we decided to take advantage of this to uh, quiz me on some of these mounts. And I, I have no idea what he's going to ask, and I have no idea if I'm going to know any of it. But, uh, GJ, what do you have in mind here? Yeah, well, I thought I'm just going to ask you questions the same way you did with the, uh, the Chaos uh, episode we did last time. Perfect. Um, I think you know more about mounts than I know about Chaos, but I tried not to hold back too much with the difficult questions oh okay i've got seven questions for you and there's a, a special bonus question uh, just uh, for nathan okay uh, which oh, is okay. of course about gold ones so uh, that's uh well be because it's a bonus question about mounts for nathan <laughs> um but All yeah right. so uh let's start off uh first question what is the difference between a bretonian warhorse and the empire warhorse oh okay so I believe on the profile they are the same. However, I believe the Bretonian Warhorse has a special rule where it is not affected by the penalty for barding. So it always moves at its movement value instead of taking that minus one. That is absolutely correct. A and I forgot to mention that I, uh, unless specifically noted, that uh, all these questions refer to the 6th edition of Warhammer Fantasy and uh, the um, uh, hopefully most recent army book, or at least the one that I have in my, uh, in my uh, bookcase. All right. So uh, this one, I, um, I expect you will also know. Which faction has access to the most mounts in 7th edition? In and these, these are okay. not uh, including the monstrous mounts. All the questions are just the regular mounts. Okay. Okay. Ooh, okay. So the obvious answer here is orcs and goblins. But let me just think in case I'm missing something. Because, ooh, now Chaos gets weird when you get into, like, Storm of Chaos. Because they've got... That demon army has a lot of mount options. 
I think there's the beasts of Nurgle, and I there's uh, the mounts of Slanesh, and oh the Seekers, and all sorts of things. Ah, uh, and then there's the Blood Crush. Ooh, it, mm, okay. So this is either gonna be it's either gonna be orcs and goblins because they've they've got the wolves, they've got the boars, they've got the spiders, or this is gonna be the demonic legion honest. Ooh, okay. I see. Mm. Now, what do we know about GJ here? Would he, would he go for the orcs and goblins? He's an orcs and goblins player. He loves his orcs and goblins. But at the same time, he can be pretty shifty with these questions. So maybe he's gone for the, the play that is a, like a supplemental army list here. And then I'm going <laughs> to think myself into a circle. It's going to be neither of these. I'm going to go with the Demonic Legion. Well, if you go with the Demonic Legion, uh, there's uh, only one kind of mount that has a uh, single wound on its profile, to my knowledge, which oh, is the right. Mount They're Demonettes. Big burly ones. It's orcs and goblins, isn't it? It's orcs and goblins. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I Plus thought I was saying seventh uh, edition and oh, Storm of course, yeah, sixth edition. Yeah, I I thought but, myself uh... right out of that point. I was just like, no, it's I like, I I knew the answer the whole time. Oh, okay, that was my All own. Right. It, it, it was, was a pleasure thought. to you struggling. Let me just check real quick because um, uh, oh well, of course they they did not list all the mounts in one separate thing in. Um, 7th edition, but then you have of course the 7th edition Demons of Chaos book and uh, let me check here real quick because you may actually be right that there are more mounts in um... yeah, but they're they're all multi-wound I think they're all monstrous cavalry the, Ooh, the, well, the... no, the hero mounts aren't the Juggernaut of Corn, Disc of Scenes, Palanquin of Nurgle and Steed of Sanesh are only uh, one wound oh so I think that um, you may have actually beaten me at my own game. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I, 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 I am afraid that I have to <laughs> give you that point. This uh, was like me and, with uh, Utsul in that last yeah, quiz that we the, did uh, where you, uh, you galaxy brain that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, well... the, um, the, the juggernauts and the uh, all those... Uh, um hero mounts they uh, well there's one for each god and they all have uh, a single wound on their profile i did not realize that so, that's so interesting no uh, neither did i i i am uh, terribly sorry but i do have to give you that point okay well you know what i forgive you it's fine i'll take that <laughs> point i will graciously take that point <laughs> yes <laughs> All right, moving on to the third question. Which mounts are listed in the Beastman book? Ooh, okay, this is 6th Ed, right? Yes. Which mounts are listed in Beastman? Well, I should have said Beasts of, Beasts of Chaos. Beasts of because Chaos, Because that's okay. the 6th edition title of the book, but... Uh... Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. What could they take? So this is before... If it was 7th edition, I remember there, is, there was... Uh... That sweet special character in his moon beast. Uh, that was a fun mount. Uh, but 6th edition, he doesn't exist yet. So, oh my god, I, ooh. This is, hmm. What, what could possibly be there? Because a minotaur or a beast lore, like, what could even take a mount in Beasts of Chaos? Uh, but it might be listed in the book now, because you could ally in from Warriors of Chaos. 
And maybe they listed some of those things there for for reference. So like the the Chaos Steed, maybe. Um, Tuscor, there's there's Chaos Warhounds. You can't mount a Warhound. Oh my God, I this is this is devilish. What what in the world is gonna be listed in the Beasts of Chaos book as a mount? Ah, uh, oh boy. Um. Yeah, GJ, I'm I'm stumped on this one. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Chaos Steed somehow, and I don't even know what what to guess here. So yeah, Chaos Steeds. You are absolutely correct. There's nothing listed in the Beasts of Chaos book. Oh. No, there are no mounts. I, I I would have forgiven you if you said Tuscar because those are the the piggies pulling the chariot mm. and but. No, there's there's no mount there's, option whatsoever. There's no mount. Okay. Oh. I was afraid you would have gotten this because we've actually discussed Beastmen earlier, where they had, uh, what kind of mount would we give them since they are a faction without mounts? Well, I I know, but then when when you said it, I don't know. My brain was just like, oh no, like what what is there? I thought I, oh you you just you tricked me on that one. Yeah, it's a trick question. Yeah. I'm, right. I, I'm right. very mean, nah. but I, I, I do need my revenge for that chaos quiz. Fair enough. <laughs> That's, well, no, it was, it's totally not fair because I'm taking out my own ignorance on you here. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, moving on to a non-trick question. Mm. Which mounts, once again in 6th edition, have poisoned attacks? Poisoned attacks, okay. Ooh, that's that's a neat one because... I'm trying to think if the spiders had poisoned attacks in 6th edition. I know they do, I think, in 7th onward, but I don't know if they do in 6th. In they, they're, the, they're the clear one for me. I was thinking of other faction mounts here. What else would have? And, uh, ooh, ooh, spiders... I know cold cold ones don't. Nothing that the high elves would have. Nothing. That, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go spiders and and just spiders. All right. Well, to my knowledge, spiders weren't around in sixth edition. So. Oh, um... my... <laughs> oh my god! Right, well, they're uh... every edition but sixth edition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh wow! I'm thinking I got this one wrong. Then who who's got poison in sixth? It's, uh, well, no, no, I'll give you spiders, because they are listed in the back of the Orcs army book with the uh, um, uh, the, the, the special uh, hordes, the, the Savage Orc horde. They can take spider riders. Oh, okay. Zero to one choice, uh, rare units, treat them as wolf riders with a movement of seven that treat obstacles and difficult or impossible dry terrain as open ground, and they have poisoned attacks and are not fast cavalry. But uh, it's actually the Steeds of Slanesh that have poisoned attacks in the uh, Storm of Chaos book. Steeds of Slanesh, of course. Oh, I feel bad about that one. I am going to give you half a point for the... uh, Okay, I'll take half a point. For uh, for the, uh, what they call spiders. Okay, so I think I'm at two and a half out of four. So, still over 50%, still passing the quiz. You're right, you're right. (laughs) Next question... Which mount does uh, Chaos, and then I'm, I'm specifically referring to Chaos Mortals, um, do they have access to? All right. Uh, so which, which mounts can they use? Yeah. Okay. So uh, they can use Chaos Steed. Uh, they can 
So this is just mortals of chaos. So they wouldn't have... So we're, we're looking for the normal mounts. So, no, they can... The characters can take a mark and take a, a demonic steed of, of some flavor. But those all have multiple wounds. And I, I feel like the Mount of Slanesh is not your basic cavalry. I feel like the Mount of Slanesh is, is a multi-wound kind of monstrous cavalry. I don't think they get access to Seekers. You, you've got the Steeds. Oh, 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 oh. So there's the Steeds that the Warriors ride that are the, the big, bitey, strength four ones. But there's also the Marauders, who I believe have regular war horses or, or the chaos equivalent of regular war horses. Uh, so those are two then. And beyond that, I think that's it. So I'm, I'm going to say the, the regular war horse and the um chaos steed you are absolutely correct hey. those are the only two options and indeed the demonic mounts that you can take uh, all have three wounds and they come on a uh, 40 millimeter square base okay okay so yeah you're doing pretty good mate yeah uh, yeah so far only uh, one and a half question that you didn't get <laughs> all right um then we go over to the realm of the undead. What is the difference between the Tomb King's steed and the Vampire Count's steed? Oh, jeez. Ah, oh, jeez. Okay. Oof. So, 6th edition, the Tomb King's steed and the Skeletal steed. Oh, well, I mean, one definitely gets more sand between its hooves. And... That is <laughs> the only detail I know. Here's the thing. I didn't even know that they were weapon skilled too. So trying to conjure its profile in my mind is going to be an exercise in futility. Uh, maybe there's some kind of special rule with them. I could see that. I could see that. What that special rule would be is oof, beyond my, my scope. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that the uh, vampire counts have to dust their skeletal steeds less. That's, that's what I'm going with. I honestly, I have no sweet clue. What, what is the well, answer? Uh, the answer is uh, sort of similar, except that it's, uh, it's, it's also a trick question. Uh, the only difference is in their name. Uh, the oh. Tomb King's mount is called a skeletal steed, and the vamp vampire count's mount is called a nightmare. Oh, and of it's... course, you have the um, the Tomb Kings are Nehekaran undead, and the vampires are just regular undead. So uh, there might be a little bit of rules difference between those, but I'm not quite sure about that. But uh, I, I was gunning for just the, the the differences in the name. Differences in the name. I always thought that the nightmares were specifically like the vampire horses, but they they um. They call, like, the regular skeletal steeds nightmares. Oh, I think it's, like, the winged nightmares for the vampires or something. Maybe it's something like that. Yeah. I was just um, curious, because, you know, you have those horses that actually look like like living horses. And then you have the, the skeletal horses. And I always yeah, thought the, the nightmares were the, the ones uh, that looked living-ish. Um, oh, let me check here real quick, because uh, I have the book in front of me. But the horses drawing the black coach, they are called nightmares. And oh. If I look at uh, Black Knights here in the entry, then 
uh, where are we? Are they core? No, they are special. And of course, those pages are sticking together. <laughs> um, Black Knights, they also write nightmares. So okay. I don't think there's a real yeah, difference. Although, indeed, the uh, vampires, they, they write more on like the uh, uh, sort of the empire or the chaos uh, steeds, those uh, with the um, metal barding. Yeah. And the, uh, the others, the, the, the skeletons, they ride on skeletal steeds. Um, but they're all nightmares. But they're all called nightmares. That's and, and then, of course, you have the winged nightmares, but those are an entirely different class. Oh, yeah, they yeah, are, they're... Uh, with the monsters. Yeah, they're their own thing. All right, hit me with the next one. Yeah, and that's going to be the last question before we head to the bonus question. Which mount provide the rider with an additional armor save? And then I'm not talking about the regular armor save you get for being mounted, but an extra one on top of that. Yes, yes, okay. Okay, well, I know boars do, and I know cold ones do. And let me think if there is anything else that might provide that extra save. I know tusk scores get that extra save, but of course you can't ride a tusk score, so it's not a mount. Don't think the spiders ever did, and they certainly wouldn't have in 6th edition because they were just fancy wolves. Um, other stuff is mostly horses. Horses never did. I don't think any of the undead mounts ever did. Yeah, I'm going to go with boars and cold ones. All right. That is indeed correct. Hey. And, well, I don't know about Tuskgors. At least in 6th edition, it's not mentioned that they do it because you can't ride them. And probably oh. in uh, later editions, in, well, there's only one later edition, which is 7th edition. I'm pretty sure it's not mentioned there either. I'm, I'm thinking of Hero reason. Hammer because the Tuskgore chariots, be, yeah. when you could, uh, you could hit the, the things pulling the chariots. Yes. One of the reasons that they were a good, they were one of the few good chariots in 5th edition is because they were toughness 4, and they actually had an okay armor save, because they had that 5 plus instead of a, a yes. 6 plus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, no, I'm glad that I got that. All right. Yep. All right. Then the final question, the bonus question, and that's another one, um, sort of kind of the same as the one that I asked about the Tomb Keys and the Vampire Count Steed, but this one is about your favorite. What are the two differences between Dark Elf and Lizardman Cold Ones in 6th edition? Ooh, okay. Oh, this is actually going to be a challenge. I, I, I'm not <sighs> So, I think Lizardmen Cold Ones... Oh, God. I almost feel like they had additional options. I'm trying to remember if there was a way to give them some kind of upgrades. They also might have had the Lizardmen's cold one leadership ability but you're never you're never taking a mount's leadership so maybe uh, nah, that's maybe not it um what would the dark would the dark elves have had any kind of special rule around their cold ones at the lizard men i'm gonna be really upset if there's some kind of stat difference because i can't remember if there's a if there's a <laughs> stat difference between the two you wouldn't think so but the lizard men book came out it was kind of on the later side of of that generation of books the Dark Elf 1 came out earlier, so they might have added something. Oh man, this is a oh, this is a tough one. All right. I'm going to say that 
the Lizardmen cold one featured some kind of some kind of upgrade that you could give it, maybe some kind of mark or spawning or something. Uh beyond that, oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. What what is it? All right. Uh well, I don't know about any mark or spawning. I'd have to check that if that was the case. But there is indeed a stat difference because oh. the Dark Elf Cold One has one extra initiative compared to the Lizardman Cold what? One. Oh my yes, god. Yes, Dark Elf Cold One's have an initiative of three and Lizardman's have a Lizardman Cold One's have an initiative of two. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes, I found that's it too. And something I just, else I can be uh... mad about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are even slower. And uh, you already mentioned it, but you didn't uh, coin it as an answer. Lizardman Cold Ones, they do um, benefit from the Cold-Blooded Special Rule. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, it's not mentioned for the Dark of Cold Ones, but it's um, I, I don't know exactly in 6th edition, but there are some instances. Um, yeah, there's this, for, for example, an Orc and Goblin magic item where... The bearer of the item cannot be attacked by any mount unless the mount takes a leadership at its own unmodified leadership value. Oh, that's when and that would come in uh, handy. That, that right. would uh, benefit the uh, Lizardman Cold Ones, uh, Cold Blooded <laughs> Rule. But it's very situational. But yeah, the rule is there. <laughs> very situational. And other than that, they are uh, exactly the same. Nice, nice. Well, GJ, that was a fantastic quiz. There's some, some well, real tough you. ones there. And uh, yeah, I you know what I think I did all right. Uh, certainly, you not did, my, you did. Yeah, well, one not my best showing, not, but uh, counting the worst. bonus question because it's a bonus question for a reason. Yeah, you got uh, four and a half out of seven. Four and a half out of seven. There we go. I feel like that's like a, a D plus or a C minus. That's and uh, counting the bonus questions, four and a half out of eight. Okay, well, well, let's not do that because then it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's lower, but. All right. Well, this has been a uh, super fun episode. I hope that you have enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed recording it. Good to be back on Tuesday as well. And from all of us here at the War Games Orchard, until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. 